tonight on News 4 at 5. Nothing beats a long hot shower in the winter, but how long do you take? 10 minutes. 20 minutes. If there's music, maybe 30. Heating water is so expensive, so I'll show you four ways to slash your energy bill. Saving you money this winter. Consumer reporter Susan Hogan is working for you tonight on News 4 at 5 with Wendy Rieger, Jim Hanley, and Chief Meteorologist Doug Kammerer. Getting you up to speed the minute you get home with the day's top stories and changing weather conditions. Working for you on NBC 4 at 5. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 60th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Are you prepared for today's podcasting experience? This is the New York Comic Con edition of our podcast. Our guest today is voice actor Rob Paulson. And in the second half of the show, we will discuss the billion-dollar budget of Avengers Infinity War and the rivalry between Marvel and DC Comics. But first, joining us today is famed voice actor and all-around nice guy, Rob Paulson. He got his start in 1983 on G.I. Joe as the voice of Tripwire. Since then, he has 423 acting credits to his name. Snowjob, Slingshot... Haji, Gladstone Gander, Gusto Gummy, Raphael, Steelbeak, PJ Pete, Stanley Ipkiss, Hydroman, Pinky, Spike, Carl Weezer, Baron Strucker, Riddler, and Broccoli Alien Overlord is just a small sampling of the characters on Paulson's resume. He is currently the voice of Donatello on Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Rob, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Not at all, Matt. Thank you for tweeting us out. I was I was pretty excited because I was in San Diego in 2012 and was ah. at the panel when you announced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I had to cover oh, that. Oh, cool. And you're in New York right now promoting Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But what was the first convention you attended? Actually, it was Comic-Con in 1993 to promote Animaniacs. Um, yeah, that's the first time I've been to... Um, I'd, I'd heard of Comic-Con... Uh, but I'm not really a, I'm not a comic book guy. I'm an, I'm an actor and a singer and, and a fan of, you know, animation and movies and all that stuff. Uh, but I had, I had never been to Comic-Con, so we were promoting the release of Animaniacs in September of 2000, I'm sorry, of 1993. Uh, so we went there in July of 93 to promote it, and that was the first of 23 straight appearances at Comic-Con for various and sundry shows. So, yeah, it's gone from being... A big deal to an uber big deal. It's it's crazy there now. And that's my next question because New York Comic Con wants to be the biggest convention in the states. When did you notice like a change when it just became this pop culture explosion? I, I you know that's a great question. I would have to say probably 10, 10, 10 12 years ago. I I noticed that it, it there seemed to be uh, a lot more huge stars. By that I mean like like this last year they had. All the Star Wars cast, and 
you know, last year it was uh, whatever, when, you know, Batman's there, Christian Bale is there, or the whole cast from Lost, um, you know, the whole cast from Walking Dead. I mean, it's a big deal now. So the Comic-Con, uh, I would say that New York is similar, but I don't think New York is in the same, um, because of the proximity to Hollywood, uh, that Comic-Con is probably a little bigger of a, of a um, in my view, kind of a um, marketing tool for the major studios. Uh, but yeah, I would say probably 10 or 12 years ago, it went from being a really huge convention um, that was, I think, kind of fan-driven. But now it really is more, I think, big studio-driven stuff. And I can say that because when I go to other big shows like Salt Lake Comic Con or um, Dragon Con in Atlanta, they're all really big. That is to say, 100,000 plus. Um, but they're not that they don't have a giant Warner Brothers pavilion or a giant DC Comics pavilion or a you know, a million-dollar Disney pavilion. Um, it, it is, uh, it, 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 they're, they're more kind of fan-driven. And they both have their respective good and, and, and you know, I shouldn't say bad, because there's nothing bad about it except for the fact there are a lot of people. Uh, uh, but they, they're, I think they're used for different things. The, the one in, in San Diego has become so big. And uh, I'm, I always have a great time because I'm well taken care of. Somebody meets me somewhere, they take me where i got to go, we do a panel of a few thousand people. We have a blast. I'm with my friends. Then they take me back to my hotel, and I'm, I'm great. But, man, if you're coming there with one or two children and you want to park and get a hotel for a couple of nights, by the time you walk into the first day of Comic-Con, you've dropped a large, man. You know, you've dropped a 1000 bucks, um, and, and it's okay. It's just a very expensive proposition. Uh, but it sure no, shows no sign, sign of, of slowing down. It's, it's a pretty remarkable event. Moving on to Turtles, uh, you voiced Raphael on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon for 170 episodes. Was that the longest yeah. series that you've ever worked on? It is. Um, yeah, we did a combination of, a, I think, 180 Pinky in the Brain and Animaniacs together. But in terms of one single show, I think Turtles is, yeah. And uh, the new iteration, the one that's on Nickelodeon, in which I get to play Donatello now, um, that could give it a run for its money because we just got picked up for our fifth season, and the fourth season hasn't even aired yet. The fourth season will start uh, at the end of this month, I think October 25th. Um, so people have a lot to look forward to, at least two full seasons of Turtles coming up. But with the way the show is going, and I certainly am not in any uh, position of power at Viacom, but um, uh, if, the, if the trend keeps going, I can't imagine that that uh, we couldn't do six or seven seasons of, of this iteration of Turtles, and it could, it could get to a place where we approach a couple hundred of them. What is it about the Turtles that makes it a timeless series? Man, Matthew, if I knew that, you and I would be having this chat on our private island. <laughs> it, 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 it would be... Uh, I've had this conversation with Kevin Eastman. I don't know um, uh, Peter very well, uh, but Kevin, one of the co-creators of Turtles, uh, I know very well. And I had him on my podcast last Christmas. We did a Toys for Tots event um, that was Ninja Turtle-based my, on my podcast at uh, the Improv in Hollywood, and we had this conversation. I've had it both in, pri in private and public. And, and uh, you know, he and, and uh, Peter Laird, his partner, were, you know, a couple of knuckleheads up in Maine and, and New Hampshire and tried to, up, you know, one-up each other and borrowed money from their, their relatives to make a comic book. And 30 years later... They are the co-creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in all its iterations. And, um, man, I don't know. It's kind of like McDonald's. You know, it, 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 children, when my son was born, I don't recall ever saying to my son, okay, 
we're going to take you to this thing called McDonald's. One day, he just said, I want to go to McDonald's. Now, I'm sure he probably heard commercials and stuff, but it's something that is so part of now the international culture and the zeitgeist of, of now two generations that it's just there. And it has whatever it, in quotes, is that makes people love it. And, they, and guys and now a lot of girls, little girls and big girls, I get people and I will meet them this weekend. 30, 35-year-old moms and dads who come in with their kids, they're dressed like Leo and Raph, and their kids are dressed like Mike and Donnie, and, and the cousin is dressed like Splinter or Shredder. It's the greatest thing, and the new show is so good because it's being made by people who grew up watching the original show, and they have a deep, deep lo- a love and passion for all things TMNT, and it reflects in the show. And so when you have a group of people, millions of fans all over the world who love sharing not only the nostalgia, but the love of this crazy franchise. It, it's beautiful. They watch it together. They have the birthday parties for Mom and Dad as Ninja Turtles and birthday parties for, you know, Kathy and Bobby as Ninja Turtles. It's the greatest thing, man. And I get, I get two cra- rides in the turtle van. How lucky am I? Rob, in my last 30 seconds, in 1983, who were the characters that were on your demo reel when you were trying to get a job? Oh, my God. Um, that's a good question. And uh, my first demo golly it was prime it was more of a commercial demo um honest to god matt my first demo was i think more like i would cull it from commercials i would do like if i do it comes radio spots for pepsi or Le- uh, levi's jeans i did a lot of on-camera stuff too um so when i would do the uh radio commercials that would go along with a with a campaign for levi's or or uh, chevy or whatever then i would take that and put it on my commercial reel my actually my animation demo i don't think i ever did one i was really fortunate to get hired on gi joe and transformers in the mid 80s and then um when i got turtles after doing um the disney afternoon stuff goof troop and Darkwing duck and and um tailspin and gummy bears then i got hired on um tiny tune adventures so i i had the good fortune of, of working on these shows and then i would you know sometimes people would be working on tiny tunes and they would get hired to write uh, Ninja Turtles, and then I got hired on Ninja Turtles, and so one thing led to another, and I started working on these shows, and then I developed a pretty solid resume that was culled from work that I'd actually done, but I think my timing was pretty good, so in my case, my my first demo was really all commercial stuff, and um, and I was very fortunate that I landed a couple of big shows, and once you do that, then it kind of puts you on the map, and then people start auditioning you for other stuff, and if you're really lucky, you end up 25 years later, talking to Matthew Sardo. So there you go. Rob, thank you for your time, and have fun in New York. Thank you, Matt. What a pleasure. Appreciate the time, buddy. That was Rob Paulson. And Season 4 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles premieres October 25th on Nickelodeon. Comic-Con so far was the announcement of the addition of four more Marvel films, including Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then later on yesterday, Bleeding Cool reported that Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and 2 would have a combined budget of $1 billion. $1 billion! You knew we had to say it like that. A lot of conversation happened yesterday. 
And in this conversation, there was a lot of vitriol, a lot of anger, and a lot of craziness. The first part is the Marvel vs. DC PR battle. And then this will lead into the budget for Infinity War. Because I said, with one press release, Marvel crushes the excitement of Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, that was building up at New York Comic Con. Because leading into New York Comic Con, all the buzz and all the rumors were leading towards Batman vs. Superman. Are they going to release a new trailer? What's going to be there? LexCorp was there. There there was all sorts of stuff going on. Some viral marketing is going on. There's going to be a big announcement on Saturday. So you had all that going on. And then with one fail swoop, it's like, boom, four more movies. Ant-Man sequel. What's it going to be? Where are they going? Because Marvel at this point in time has kind of been basically mapped out. There's a few unknown variables going on there, but basically everything's all mapped out. We know where we're going. Infinity War, lots of people are going to die, but like, are there going to be, is there going to be another Avengers film after that? Like Infinity War ends and then there's Inhumans and Inhumans to me is kind of just like a throw. It's like, hey, we gave you Infinity War and you know, nobody's alive and we're just going to, here's this, here's this film. But now you're going to have this whole nother slate of films and that's going to build onto something else. It's going to build into another Avengers film, Avengers 4 or whatever they call it. But like, and what storyline is that going to be? Because they've already hit some major storyline. We got Civil War coming up. We got you know just the Loki, which is kind of the first issue of Avengers. Ultron, Infinity War, which will be interesting. Is that where Spider Man's going to get the symbiote, and that'll be the sequel to um, whatever this Spider Man movie is? And then Venom in three. Like, how are they going to build this up? I hope there's a slow burn, and they just don't throw millions of shit at those. And so that happens. I got yelled at so much on Twitter yesterday from DC fans. Like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. Blah, blah, And you're an idiot. You're just a fanboy. And blah, blah. I like Marvel and I like DC. Do I like the tone of the new DC things? No, I don't. But do I like the tone of the Marvel films? Not so much either because they're too jokey at some times. But sometimes, you know, civil, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, you know, that had a perfect tone for me for Captain America. That's what Captain America films should be to me. But then Man of Steel was this hot mess of garbage that just pissed on all the mythos of Superman. And I don't want to have that debate because that was so long ago. And Scott Snyder just destroyed everything and, and Superman killing people. And it was just like, really? Did you read a comic book? Do you know what you're doing? But that's, I don't want to bring that up. I just want to leave that down because that's going to be a lot of anger going on with that one right there. But I put it, I have a, on my Twitter, at, at Matthew Sardo, I have a poll. If you liked Man of Steel, favorite the tweet. If you do not like Man of Steel, retweet the tweet. And I'm going to do it in reverse next time and do, see what comes up again. Because I think it's a lot easier for people to to favorite something because they feel like they're not that's not very intrusive. And But it, if you retweet something, that means that you're actually taking my opinion and putting it out there, and I don't know if everybody wants to do that. You know what I mean? That would be tough to be for, you know, if it's a Republican thing, like, oh, you know, or, or a Democratic thing, or like political, like, you know, retweet if you're going to vote for Obama. Well, some people might hit it, you know, but some people are like, hey, I want that to be personal. I don't want to put that out there because I don't want to have a conversation. So I'm not saying that Man of Steel is even close to who we're voting for in the presidential election. No, because it's a hot piece of garbage. But I'm going to I'm going to invert it for next month and I'm going to see what the totals are. And I'm just going to leave it up for a month and see what happens and then we'll do it again. But if you want to vote right now, go to Monkey Sp- go to go to Twitter and uh, my Twitter handle at Matthew Sardo. It's pinned right to the top. If you liked Man of Steel, favorite it. 
If you don't like Man of Steel, retweet the tweet, and then we'll count them up. Right now, it's the people that like Man of Steel are, are winning by a large margin, so the retweeters need to come out if you don't like the film. I mean, I can only retweet it once, which sucks, because I retweeted it a million times, because that movie was horrible. But needless to say, we're moving on to Batman versus Superman, and you have all this excitement building up, and then Marvel does this stuff. And then I had somebody go to me like, hey, you know, more, uh, DC's doing a 10 times better job than Marvel is right now. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, DC has put out one film. And I know that, the, and we're going to leave the Christopher Nolan stuff alone. You know, because it's, it's, Christopher Nolan stuff was amazing. I enjoyed it. All that stuff was fun. And it, it created this new genre of superhero film. So I'm going to give it as much credit as credit as it deserves because he revolutionized what a superhero film should be. There. So there's no negative about that. But Marvel came out with a cohesive plan of what they were going to do. And they decided that this is their plan. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Warner Brothers did not do that. So, you know, they're kind of back a little bit. Even though these movies came out, the Dark Knight came out while the Cinematic Universe was going on. But I'm not putting it in there because... It's not part of the cohesive unit. Even though DC or Warner Bros. just has to make one announcement and all that stuff can fit in there. And they can be like, oh my God, it's one giant universe and or one giant universes. And everything is cohesive and everything can go in together because it's multiple different worlds, different timelines, and all that, blah, 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 and head explodes. But no, Mara DC does not want, or Warner Brothers does not want to do that because. They think that you're dumb and not going to be able to handle that. And I, I, I think that Warner Brothers is dumb and and they should trust the audience. I don't know. There's a lot of people voting for Donald Trump. So I, I want to give you faith and I want to give you hope and I want I want to put my confidence behind you. And then then all the people voting for Donald Trump. God, this is becoming a political show today. But that's what happens when you have like the fanboys on both sides. Actually, there was none from Marvel yelling at DC fans. It was just DC yelling at me. I just, you know, it, the biggest thing here is that Marvel put a plan together and the plan is a succeeding, which leads into the billion dollar budget for part one and part two of Avengers Infinity War. And the internet exploded with that. Like, oh my God, that's insane. That's incorrect. Blah, blah. You know, this is asinine. What are they doing? These are going to fail and everything's going to go crazy. And, and, and this is so bad. Such, so much negativity. And I get, you know, I, that's the internet. I mean, the comment section of the internet is, is where the negativity lives in the world. And I, I probably should stop, stop reading comments. I should just be like, oh, look, people like it. Or there was 20 comments and just kind of proves it. But the Marvel films so far have made $8.9 billion. They should just start buying countries right now. Each film has averaged $747 million. They're almost making a billion dollars of film. Actually, three quarters of a billion dollars of film. For one, for two films to cost one billion dollars, that's not actually even if they make the the average, they'll make one point five billion dollars, and they'll still bank a hundred or five hundred million dollars in the in the bank. If they do what the Avengers films do, they'll make three billion dollars and they'll put two billion dollars in the bank. The issue here is. There is no issue. They they know exactly like we're going to spend a billion dollars. We're going to advertise the crap out of it because this includes marketing, includes all the actors, everything's 
a billion dollar budget for two films and they're going to this is where they're going to make history. I don't know what history they're going to make, whether it's the biggest flop or the biggest, but I can't see it not missing. I can't, there's too many kids right now holding Iron Man action figures that are going to be like four years from now being like adults and teenagers that are going to be like, I'm going to see this a million times. And, and that's what I think they're hoping on is that everybody's going to go see this. I know that I'm going to see it a lot. I, I enjoy them all. I like every way it's in there. And now that there's a chance that people are going to start dying and stuff, I mean, the, the, the intensity factor of these films are going to go crazy. So I don't, I don't know why there was so much anger over this. I, I guess from my, my perspective, I deal in sports or I did deal in sports and I've seen insane contracts and I've seen all this crazy stuff and how much the NFL makes. That's why I don't care how much the New York Mets spend on to re-sign Cespedes. And that's how much, that's why I don't care how much they spend in Chicago to sign their players or, the devils, they don't spend any money. But because there's so much revenue coming in, I'm not worried about how much they're spending. I want them to put the best team out on the field. So my hope is that a combination of like smart buying and appropriate spending, my teams, my sporting teams, put out the best team possible on the field. But with Jonas Cespedes, if they want to spend extra on him and like, oh, you got to pay an luxury tax, I'm fine with that because that could be the person that's the best person to be put on the field to create the best team possible for you. And even though you're spending more than normal, you're putting the best product out there. And that's all I really care about. And that's the same thing with the Avengers and Marvel films. I want you to put the best product out there. If they decided like, oh, we're going to recast Robert Downey Jr., because we don't want to pay him so much, I would be like, you're not smart at all. Because that's the biggest draw of the franchise right now is Robert Downey Jr. He's the charisma. He's the, he's the meat and potatoes. He's the guy that, you know, that keeps everything together. If they decide to go cheap and like, oh, no, we're, we're going to recast somebody else. We're going to go with uh, James Franco is the new uh, Tony Stark. And we got him on the cheap. And they only spent... $500 million on the two films because that's how much they saved with Robert. And, and you'd be like, no, that's not what I want. I want the best product out there. And for me, I'm completely fine with Disney putting out, shelling out $1 billion to create the best product possible because that's what I want to see. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! <laughs> Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. Also, if you have a chance, rate our show on iTunes. If you have an Android device, listen to our show on Stitcher. There's also this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the monkeys fighting robots podcast. Listening to the podcast is the most important part of that thing. In the world, eh, it's kind of exciting, but, like, listen to the podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 60th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Special thanks to Rob Paulson for calling the Monkeys Fighting Robots hotline. Jeff Shade is creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots.
And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.